economic crisis is on the horizon, so it was a matter of time before the scapegoating of refugees started to distract everyone from the crisis in the Conservative Party. However, I don't believe that means that we shouldn't respond, and I am delighted to once again be joined by my full-time co-host, Tumble Dryermeyer. How are you doing? I've missed you so much. Full-time? I have been AWOL for months. Um, <laughs> I have missed you too. It's lovely to be back. It is actually very nice to be back. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yes, no, thank you very much for coming. I, uh, I, It's been months. I think it was the beginning of the Ukraine war when we last kind of came yeah. on the podcast. That was a year ago. Yeah. That was that was a that's not months, that's a year. Yeah. Yeah. Which and... to be fair is made up of with months. So Yes, yes, it is. Not a months. year is indeed made up with months. We uh yeah, we're we're not doing too badly now and hopefully we're gonna be putting out regular episodes covering current affairs and today we are of course talking about the asylum seekers and the refugee crisis which is being used to distract let's be clear distract from the situations that are happening in the economy and i think that's always worth bearing in mind but it doesn't mean that these things aren't worth responding to and I think people often fall into the trap of going, oh, it must be one or the other. You can either talk about the economic crisis and you'll avoid fall- falling into the trap of talking about refugees. But the problem is, is the misinformation about refugees is spreading regardless of whether we are talking about it or not. Yeah. And the two things are interlinked. The reason why the economy is so bad and the economy is and everyone is struggling and there's a cost of living crisis is the same reason why we have such like why there is the situation that there is around refugees and asylum seekers and it's because of our government because of the government's incompetency and because the government is just obsessed with mirroring the pillars to fascism yeah it's actually shocking that suella braverman is like you say so much of the cause of this and pretty patel as well because of their refusal to actually put in place proper processing for asylum seekers. So much of this comes down to the fact that they don't want to look like they're accommodating asylum seekers because they need to keep their rabid right-wing base on board. And as long as they're throwing it red meat, they know that their position is secure. They're smart people. They are all very, very well-educated people. I'm sure there is some not very in there. But they are they are very, very smart people. They know exactly what they're doing. They can that they, they have researched. I guarantee you that they have researched what actually would reduce people seeking asylum and what would reduce channel crossings because that's the main problem that that the government seems to have is the people in dinghies. It's an invasion. They're coming over. Well, they wouldn't be coming over if we had safe. They wouldn't be coming over risking their lives in the channel which is an absolutely deadly stretch of water they wouldn't be doing that if we had safe routes into the country but we don't so instead they come over in dinghies they come over in lorries they risk their lives and then they get shoved into processing centers which are rife with like scabies and diphtheria and any type of spreadable infectious disease it's disgusting they they know what would reduce um people seeking asylum they just don't care yeah it's too convenient to be able to use it to whip up hatred but that hatred has genuine consequences including on sunday a petrol bomb attack on a facility a migrant facility in dover where a man drove a hundred miles to carry out the attack. Basically, he had a petrol bomb or a canister of petrol with a firework attached to it. Very, very basic method of carrying out an attack. He killed himself afterwards. This was uh, a suicide bomb, a, a terrorist attack. But the police aren't referring to it as a terrorist attack because they claim that there's no political motive, which is the standard you have to reach in order for something to be considered a terrorist attack. Is that like... premise of not playing politics. So... But the thing is, we use the definition of terrorism so relaxed, so we call things terrorism that technically are not terrorism, mm. because for it to be terrorism, it needs to be a non-government actor. So if we're going to go into the, well, it's technically not terrorism, 
because it wasn't political, even though, tell me how... Everything's political. How much rent you pay is political. Whether the roads are in good condition is political. Refugees and migrants are political because they have a political identity. And, the like, so terrorism is when non-government... Is, is specifically non-government actors. Yet we call thing uh, we call like ISIS and or, or ISIL, whatever you want to call them, we call them terrorists when technically they're not. Technically they control countries like the Taliban. Technically aren't terrorists, but we still call them terrorists because they fucking are. You know. Yeah, there's a very lucid way of, of referring to terrorism, and like like you said, the technical definition is uh, a non-state actor who uses political violence uh, and terror in order to try to influence political decision making. And I'm sorry, but this, it just fits the definition. This petrol bomb attack is, is a the terrorist attack. The petrol bomb attack happened, and then what was said by politicians? Tell me that petrol bomb did not influence politics. Tell me that him literally killing himself and trying to, and blowing up a fucking, literally a hundred miles, going a hundred miles just to kill people seeking asylum and just to kill refugees and then the government speaks about of course it is terrorism it's just not our nice oh well it was religious terrorism by all these foreign people so that's the only type of terrorism we have in this country because if we call that terrorism then we have to call things that are politically convenient to this country terrorism do you know what i mean exactly exactly and there's a quiet endorsement of the rhetoric behind this guy throughout our media and government and it is absolutely horrendous and we're going to be looking with more detail on that in just a moment Um, but I do also want to draw attention to the fact that a lot of far-right attacks a lot of far-right atrocities um, both in the modern era and if we're talking about the original fascism of the 1930s was carried out stochastically um, i.e. When we say stochastic terrorism, we mean random acts of violence that are not in an organised top-down structure. So the person at the top goes, uh, you know, uh, the person at the top going, well, why don't you go out and kill a load of those, this particular minority here? No, the way it often works is it's stochastic. They go, well, we want to increase the level of vitriol towards this particular group, and then random attacks start happening, such as this one on the Dover migrant facility. This is very much the standard far-right playbook. Are you okay if we go on to Suella Braverman's statement in the House of Commons and just listen through to that? Absolutely. Superb. So, this was Suella Braverman speaking the very next day in the House of Commons about refugees in Dover. Madam Deputy Speaker, and I resigned for the error. But let's be clear about what's really going on here, Madam Deputy Speaker. The British people deserve to know which party is serious about stopping the invasion on our southern coast and which party is not. Some 40,000 people have arrived on the south coast this year alone many of them facilitated by criminal gangs, some of them actual members of criminal gangs. So let's stop pretending that they are all refugees in distress. The whole country knows that that is not true. And it's only the Honourable Member... So that was Suella Braverman's reaction. A representative of the government. And a representative of the people as well, that's her job. She is representative of the Conservative Party. Have they fired her? No. Do you know who they did fire? Matt Hancock, because he's going on I'm a Celebrity. But I... that, that fucking disgusting rhetoric. No. She stood up and she went, these people are invading our shores. They're coming over, aided by criminal gangs. They're aided by criminal gangs because for the past 12 years or however long they've been in power, the Conservatives have been in power, they have been removing safe routes for these people to come here to the safety of our country. That's why it is people like her in government that have cut all these safe routes out and thought they are, like, there's, people have no choice. They have forced these poor people who are in the, the most, vul- some of the most vulnerable people in the whole world and force them to cross the channel in a rubber dinghy. 
Yeah. Or in the back of a lorry, or however they get across. It is disgusting. And she knows what she's doing. She knows exactly what she's doing. Can you imagine if someone said this after any other, like, incident? Where they were like, well, you know, maybe crowded football matches are good. It's good for the economy. It's And to say that in the wake of the Dover petrol bomb attack is effectively to endorse it. Like she, that is endorsing it. There is no way. In, if can you imagine if someone like Corbyn said that? Yeah, the, but if you if you endorse all the rhetoric behind an attack like that, if you because it's not just it's not just merely that she endorsed actually the rhetoric behind it. It's not merely she endorsed the ideology. It's that if your country is being invaded, is being attacked, then carrying out attacks upon the invaders is the logical next step. Like that is the they make everything step. into a war, and they, that yeah. it, it's like the Americanization of everything's a war: the war on drugs, the war on this, the war on that, the war on refugees. It is. Do you know what I mean? They're invading our shores, and when anyone says invading shores, I'm pretty ha- I'm pretty sure like the majority of the country thinks about things like Dunkirk. Yeah, you know where it was really us fighting for our freedom. She she's she's taking that like national sentiment of wartime where everyone's stuck together against the common enemy you know to they are some of the most vulnerable people on earth who we are supposed to look after who come to our shores who come to our country for safety for security they are literally running for their lives what do we do we treat them like animals we we literally shove 10 of them in a hotel room where like it is so so dehumanizing yeah and how the country just sits here that's absolute fascist rhetoric there is no if buts there is absolutely no reason there is no justification to speak like that yeah she know how many people wrote that speech how many people proofread that speech because like it is not just her that writes speeches. She has she has a whole team of people. That speech was probably endorsed by people very, very high up in the Conservatives. It's not just her. She didn't just stand up, write this, drop me on the back of a napkin from Fret. Yeah. It's carefully curated. It is. And the right-wing media lobbyists all did their jobs. When this footage came out, Darren Grimes stepped forward and said... Ah, well, it's an invasion because they're part of a large group of unwanted people arriving on our shores. What can you call that but invasion? And it's like, hang on, apply that historically. Okay, so in the last... Oh, right, okay. Do you know what? I can say this. I'll I'll take this for you. Yeah. When the Jews, my people, when they came over, was that an invasion? Because do not tell me that you Jews were not unwanted. Do you know what I mean? We had a government at the time, the Prime Minister believed in the Aryan race, so believed yep. that Jews were um, like inferior. Do you know what I mean? Were, were the Jewish people that you saved, that this country saved from the Holocaust, were they unwanted? Were, uh, sorry, were they an invasion? Yeah. Because we absolutely were unwanted by this government. Was that an invasion? No, that was the country coming together, saving the war. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Winning the war, doing this, doing that. No, that is absolute bullshit. They know what they're doing. They know that they have been inciting violence against refugees and asylum seekers. Like, it's not even just the word invasion. It is the whole fact that that was an acceptable conversation to have. It's just unacceptable to talk about a sector of people like that. Yeah. Especially people so vulnerable. They are genuinely the most vulnerable people in society. They are the people that need the most resources and need the most like comfort and care in the world. And what do we do to them? This. People come to our country in hope of a better life and this is how we talk to them. This is how we talk about them. We call them an invasion. We treat them like animals. We shove them into these processing places processing centres, which are just full of infectious diseases. It is absolutely horrible. And they have been, it's like you were saying, they have been quietly doing this for years, knowing someone, knowing people believe it, knowing someone would be so radicalised that they would do something like this, that they would petrol bomb refugees and asylum seekers. Yeah, and I, 
I predict that this isn't going to be the last we're going to see of this because the rhetoric has been ramping up not only against refugees recently but against protesters as well and I suspect that we're going to see more violence and I, I want to put it on record now that I'm predicting this I think it's going to happen in possibly the next few weeks the next month or so uh, we're going to see more violence against those two groups and I saw a response which was essentially well it, it's different it is an invasion because uh, an invasion is is illegal whereas you know uh, the Jewish refugees in, who were coming across just before World War Two, um, 70,000 of them uh, were coming here legally because they were being accepted by the government even even begrudgingly um, There's nothing illegal about seeking asylum. Exactly. There's nothing. It's not illegal to come across on a dinghy. Exactly. It is not illegal to seek asylum. There yes. is nothing illegal about this. The government is absolutely barefaced lying. Mm. Yeah. It's not illegal. Yep. If you actually read the laws, if you read the laws, if you speak to people who study law and can understand these complex texts, complex texts, even I can. And I, to be honest with you, I'm a bit thick. It is easy to understand. It is not illegal. The government just wants you to hate them so that you don't hate the government. They're yeah. just giving you an enemy. It's these poor, vulnerable people who are running away from war, who are running away from persecution that are taking all the resources. It, instead of, you know, um, the government who are giving bankers bonuses and, and the oil companies who are taking in billions of profit. And mm. it's just... Heinous. Under Article 31 of the 1967 Refugee Convention, you can't be punished for the way that you arrive on a country and you can only apply, according to that same Refugee Convention, you can only apply for asylum by landing on the soil of that country. You cannot be punished for the way in which you arrive, nor is there an obligation on you to uh, go to the first safe country. I feel like that's worth emphasising. And I guarantee, forward. like, these people do not want to pay human traffickers. Yeah. They don't. They have no choice. There is no safe option because our government took away all those safe options. Our government made it so that you have to come to this country. Do you know what I mean? They signed all these documents so that they have to come to this country to seek asylum. And then what do they do the second they get in this country? Well, you came illegally. Well, because you took away all the safe routes. Yeah. And also, this idea that they've come, come here illegally... I feel like it really bears emphasising that, according to the Refugee Council, who did research into Home Office statistics, between 2020 and 2021, 98% of all the people who made that channel crossing ended up applying for asylum. They had their asylum claims actually followed through on. And more recent data shows that around 70% of those who apply for asylum in the UK are successful. And I think it's worth bearing in mind as well just how difficult it is to have the uh, have your Proof. asylum yeah ha have it approved. Who brings documents with them? Who brings any type of proof with them when they are fleeing from war, from persecution? And yeah. a lot of the people who are denied are wrongly denied. It's just because it's so bureaucratic that it is exceptionally hard. It is so hard to 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 get to 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 gain asylum in the UK. Yeah, and the fact that over seventy percent of people who come to this country seeking asylum get it—it's just immense. In uh, it was June uh, in the year to June twenty twenty two, seventy six percent of asylum seekers were granted protection on their first application, so they can appeal the, and go go again if their application is rejected. And a lot of those who appeal actually end up getting through as well. So it's somewhere around the 80% mark of all of the people who come here claiming asylum, all of these people who make this channel crossing. It's somewhere around 80% of them end up actually having well-founded, grounded claims for believing that they are being persecuted. And I feel like it's worth emphasising that the definition of the 1951 Refugee Convention, uh, which is uh, persecution owing to a well-founded fear of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality, membership of a particular social group or political opinion is applied in a very particular way and it's the well-founded fear bit where people get tripped up because you have to prove that you individually have been persecuted. Most of the time it is not enough to say 
I am from this group of people and therefore I am being persecuted. You know, I am um, a Armenian fleeing Turkey in the 1910s. We know that there's a genocide going on there, but under this definition, which obviously wasn't in place at the time, then you would have to prove not only that you were a Armenian fleeing Turkey, but you would have to prove that you individually had been targeted by the groups that were committing the genocides. As in, you had to like show you had to like show signs of torture or some footage or something that proves that you are in danger of persecution. And that and it is, is so really hard to standard. gain that footage. Yeah. Who has a? I mean, it's kind of kind of easier these days because like cameras and smartphones are so prolific but who who has that data a lot of the time when any any situation like a lot of the time there's not other people around you know so many people deserve asylum but can't get it because the asylum process is reactive it's not proactive which is why they do the whole well i understand that 99 percent of your small ethnic group has been murdered but because you specifically haven't you'll be fine i think you'll be fine just you know hold your head up high chin up you'll be fine yeah i i should mention there are they can sometimes grant special exceptions for example ukrainians just have like a blanket you can come here uh which is good i I want to encourage that we should have that for yeah it's, it's happened for ukraine but not for places like syria uh, and Afghanistan, and I think that's interesting. I'll leave you to work out what the differences between Ukrainian people and uh, people from Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria on the whole. All right, uh, shall we turn our attention quickly back to the reaction, the fallout from what Suella Braverman said there about invasions? Because I Absolutely. think this particular clip from Nigel Farage on Twitter is rather instructive. Well, the most extraordinary scenes in the House of Commons, because they're discussing, of course, conditions in Manston. They're discussing the firebombing that took place yesterday. They're discussing the fact that over 40,000 people have crossed the channel already this year, nearly all young men. There are Labour and Tory MPs crying out for more hotels to be booked for these young Albanian men that crossed the channel. I'm surprised they haven't yet asked for the Ritz or the Savoy. But Suella Braverman, who's under attack from the Remainers and the Globalists, has said what is happening in the channel is an invasion. It's a word I've been using for two years and I've been condemned for. I expect even more pressure to come on the Home Secretary. I really hope she stays in post, but believe me, the establishment are out to get her because she's got the guts to say many of these people are just not refugees. Well done, her. And she will be condemned to the dustbin of history for agreeing with you, you fucking fascist toad. Um... If Nigel Farage ever politically, like, publicly supports something I say, I'm off. (laughs) I'm going to be a goat farmer with no internet. Yep. Had enough. That is shameful. Yes. It's a violation. It's no. Just the most horrendous takes on this. That is not helpful. What does he think he's doing? He has, honestly, I genuinely thought he was done with politics. And he came out the fucking woodwork. Yeah. He's like a bed bug. <laughs> Worming his way back. It's absolutely horrendous. I just want to get a big hammer. It's like that. <laughs> the weevil game where, the, where it's like, and you bonk, and then it comes up another hole. Bonk. Yeah. That's how I feel about Nigel Farage. I think that sums up everything about him. Yes, yes. It, it, metaphorically, by the way, I should I should mention I don't yes. think that... Um, I would never... Whack him with no, a we should not have any violence, That's... not even against horrible people like him. Yes, yes. Um, it was a metaphor for his insufferable personality. <laughs> yes. And... Well, I'm sure he's lovely, if he wants to sponsor. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> and... Um... I think our rhetoric would have to change quite a bit before Nigel Farage or any of his donors <laughs> would donate to us. Fucking hell. Right, um, so Manston, uh, he mentioned the Manston migrant facility, which has come under fire recently because David Neal, the independent chief inspector for borders and immigration, was left speechless by the squalid conditions, the outbreaks of disease and the absolute just horror that people were living in 
uh, in Manston, the, the facility, which was originally just an overflow facility for temporary claims, which was opened up in February 2021. It's currently holding 4,000 people. It's built for 1,400 people. So most of the people there are living in tents. We're talking about not Albanian criminals, as he keeps saying. Absolute nonsense. Uh, we'll get to more claims about Al Albanian criminals later on. But just bear in mind, that is absolute nonsense. We're talking about children here, and there's footage going about on Twitter of the children imprisoned in there crying for help and saying that we need your help. Uh, the guards are untrained and un under-equipped. It's an absolute disaster, and it's all because Suella Braverman didn't want to acquire more hotel places for the overflow. In fact, like you say, so many of so many of these problems could be addressed if the government were just proactive instead of reactive, because the hotels thing is costing us five point six million pounds per day, and it's important and not also, to defend these hotels because they're a symptom of the government not taking proactive action and building facilities which are built to handle the number of people which are coming. Exactly, but the thing is, when we say that refugees and asylum seekers are being housed in hotels it is not as he said the ritz or like it's mm. there is like 10 people per room yeah. they literally shove them in like sardine they treat them like fucking an like animals and it is genuinely just like they are not having a good time they come here for safety and the vast majority of them are proven to be people fleeing war or violence or persecution or have person people who have personally experienced persecution yeah but what do we do what what happens when they get here we give them diphtheria and typhoid or whatever the hell is going around though it's genuinely i just don't understand it would cost less if they're thinking about money wise it would cost less money to treat them like humans but i could not care less about the cost of money because respectfully if we have enough money to be to be taking the cap off bankers bonuses if we don't if we're not taxing millionaires and billionaires and big businesses properly then respectfully there is a magic money tree if we did that. Said. There's always a magic money tree when it's something they care about. When it's something yeah. like the most vulnerable people on earth being treated like this, oh, well, there's no money. So what we do is we shove them all in here. We shove them in tents. We let them get diseases. And then we go, hooray, look at these criminals. They're not criminals. Like, it's like Albanian criminals. No, they're Albanian refugees and yeah. asylum seekers. Tony Benn once said uh, that the way that a society treats or the way that politicians treat refugees is instructive because it shows you how they would treat the rest of us if they thought they could get away could get away with it. And, and it's think, absolutely true. Yeah, Look at what the conservatives have true. done to this country. People are dying waiting for ambulances. This Tory like, scum literally. would treat you exactly the same as refugees if they didn't think that your vote might influence their, uh, their call in the next election you know whether and their ability they... to make money yeah and their ability to make money like That's they it. would absolutely treat you as horribly as they're treating these refugees and these are I, I i can't really express my anger enough at how badly how evil these people are just really like suella braverman it's not even tell. just like making them miserable like if if a parent kept their child in the conditions that this government keeps asylum seekers and refugees that child would be taken away from them yeah absolutely if they like i don't understand how there's not laws against this i don't understand how it doesn't violate human rights but obviously to the conservatives these people aren't human which is disgusting but they don't care yep. they're educated they are smart people they know what they're doing they know what they're doing by inciting this violence. They know exactly how these people are being treated because they've been around those places. Mm -hmm. They've seen it. They've seen the squalid conditions. But they don't care. A British citizen can't be detained indefinitely without trial. A refugee can. It's mm. absolutely disgusting the way that we are treating these refugees. It's a second-class citizen thing. Yeah. It is, like... I wish that I knew the words to describe how atrocious I find this. I, It just makes me lose all faith in everything. Absolutely. It is horrendous. Um, and what's worse, I think, 
is that it is endorsed, tacitly endorsed by our media who do things like what we're about to see with this next clip, which is from BBC The World at One. And they had their special guest on to talk about immigration and asylum. After all of this, after Manston, after the petrol bomb attack, the far-right petrol bomb terrorist attack, they had this man on to discuss the asylum crisis. Well, Nigel Farage was leader of the UKIP, has long campaigned on immigration. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, good to have you on the programme. What do you think needs to happen now? Well, there's a huge debate going on here about the symptoms of the problem. You know, the problem isn't that Manston isn't big enough. The problem certainly isn't that the Home Office didn't book hotel rooms. Hotels are full all over the country. I mean, goodness me, two weeks ago, they were even trying to book a castle in Cornwall. The problem is the sheer numbers coming. 990 on Saturday, 468 yesterday. And they're the ones that we know about. And in particular, now that the majority of those that are coming are coming from Albania, and let's just remind ourselves, it's a NATO country, it's an EU applicant country, it's a holiday destination mm. for huge numbers of Brits. There's been no war there for 25 years. And frankly, okay, what we should be doing, what we should be doing at Manston, is using the longest runway in the country to fly every single person that comes from Albania straight back there. And if we did that, the flood would stop. Mm. But isn't the problem here, as we were hearing from um, one of my guests earlier, it's the speed of the processing. Because if you could quickly process people when they arrived, then you could quickly send them back if that was appropriate. Well, I think in the case of Albania, there is no possible legitimate case whatsoever for anyone from that country claiming refugee status. What the hell was that? It goes on like that. They, br they brought Nigel Farage on. Nigel Farage as their expert on refugees and immigration. What the hell? Respectfully, what qualifications does he have? I genuinely know children that are more, that understand the world better than he does. It's, it's horrendous. Like... They they could have gotten a sodden scotch pie on. Steak Bridie would have given you more knowledge than this. Yeah. Why are they getting him on? Why are the BBs... Genuinely, what qualifications does he have, respectfully? None at all, apart from being the leader of UKIP, who are obviously known for their... Um, unbiased you know, takes Unbiased takes. So... If the BBC did this to some, if they got someone in from, like, someone like Owen Jones in or something, just him, no one else, to talk about refugees or the off-gem reports that they would get. Yeah, there's uh, the so not, many complaints. But he yeah. comes on, genuinely, the rhetoric that he spews is so disgusting that he should not be allowed to speak. Yeah. Sponsored silence. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the rhetoric. So he says that the problem isn't the hotels, the problem is the, the sheer numbers coming. But surely if Suella Braverman had, like, built the facilities like the Home Office was advising her to do, then she wouldn't need the hotels in the first place, even if the hotels were all filling up across the country, which we know isn't true, because there's, there's so many hotels right across the UK. Like, it's it's just ridiculous to say that we're running out of space. The problem is, is the government doesn't want to act. Like, I I can't wrap my head around that first one. That's ridiculous. There's not even much to say about it because it's just so... It's just so wrong. Yeah. And it is so inhumane to say that about other people. Yeah. Like, they are actual... And it just shows how, like, disconnected from reality they are. Yeah. He's... You can talk about another person like that and not... And still sleep at night. Because, like, genuinely, I stand on a bug and I'm, like, wrecked with guilt. It's always plausible deniability, though. Do you know what I mean? It's always like, he says, they're the ones that we know about. As though the Refugee Council haven't found that 98% of people coming across the channel apply for asylum as soon as they arrive. Like, just ignoring all of reality to go, well, there might be a load of people that we don't know about. But that's just... Sorry, it's just nonsense. And the attack on people from Albania, which has been a repeated theme of what Nigel Farage has said, he said the majority of, pe of those are coming from Albania. They, they should fly every single person that comes from Albania straight back to Albania. But it's just not true that the majority of people who apply for asylum who make these crossings are from Albania. So and it wouldn't matter if they did. It, it would not matter yeah. if every single asylum seeker 
was Albanian. What has that got to do with it? Process their claims. Why are you bringing the fact that they're Albanian? Because, like, this country, people will be the biggest and, like, anti-racists in this country. Like, not actually, but they'll say they are. Yeah. And I'm not evidently not talking about Nigel Farage. (laughs) And then you bring up, like, Albanians or Romani people or travellers, and they just spew this disgusting rhetoric because it is so normalised in this country. Mm. It is so... You could go into a pub and start talking about Albanians. Someone will come in. Yeah. Someone will butt into that conversation and be like, well, yeah. it's disgusting. Like, he knows what he's doing. He's feeding off this hatred of Albanians that we have in this country. Yep. For, for no reason, no no reason, but he is feeding off of the fact that this country hates a lot of Eastern Europeans, obviously by Ukrainians, mm. and he's feeding off of that rhetoric. 4,000. 4,104 Albanians arrived in, in the past year, according to the Refugee Council, and that's out of 70,000 total asylum applications. Maybe so, he's just bad at maths, so... Yeah, in, in, the, in that 12 or months... Or he was just lying to the BBC and his lie was not corrected. It's, it wasn't challenged, that's just it. 5.86%. 5.86%. That's the whole number. hotel in Cornwall, the castle in Cornwall, it's actually a hotel... And the owner, all that we know is the owner made the claims to GB News. That's it. Yeah. There's no proof to it. It's not a castle. I mean, technically it's a castle, yeah, but it's it's just a big hotel. It's it's all rumour. And then he went straight to GB News. It's it's all rumour. Like, that's the whole, like, uh, the, the way that they gain their information it's, is, is rumour and like... speculation and... 5.86%. That is not a majority of the people that are coming here. That's 5.86%. That's 1 in 20 at, at a push. Like, it's 1 in 20 of the people who come here are from Albania. And by the way, over half of the people who come here from Albania are successfully uh, treated as, as asylum seekers. They, they get their, their refugee status. And he says... Just because there is not an active war in a country... Yeah. Does not mean that people are not being persecuted. Yep. Like mostly by criminal his... gangs. It, exactly. Exa- like there are so many deeply rooted problems in Albania that cause people to leave, that cause people to seek asylum. If someone is going to come all the way from Albania to here to seek asylum, we should be listening to them. I don't care if thou are bringing. Like, it's just, I'm just sick of hearing it. I'm sick of thinking about it. I'm sick of talking about it. Because it is so disgusting that there is no way to... I struggle to challenge rhetoric like this. Because I... Call me naive, but I just genuinely don't believe that people can think this. And I know that they can. I know that they do. But in my heart, it just makes no sense that... These are the most vulnerable people on earth. And I've said that a hundred times. But they are absolutely the most vulnerable people on earth. Can you imagine how horrible it would be to have to leave everything you have behind? To leave your whole country, to come somewhere where you might not speak the language, you don't understand the anything. And then you come here for safety because you are scared for your life. And then you get shoved into a tent with God knows how many other scared people fleeing persecution and it's full of disease and and the staff are untrained and then you just don't you you don't know what's happening you don't know when you're gonna get out you don't know where you're gonna get out you don't know what's happening it's run so badly and then what happens you ask for proof but do you have any picture but 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 did it really happen it's horrendous i flip on the radio and when you get into the country when you actually end up your claim goes through you are so happy and then you are put in the most horrible accommodation that has like black mold and leaks and this and that yeah and then you speak to people and you tell them hey this happened to me your country was like a beacon i came here for safety what happens we don't even need to say because people people know what they're going to say. We know what people would yeah. do. Yeah, and and then the, it, like imagine you flicked on the radio. You flick on the radio after your successful application, and you hear Nigel Farage saying, "Well, there's no possible legitimate case for anyone from your country claiming refugee status." 
And it's like, okay, hang on, Nigel. Like so dehumanizing. Like Yeah, let's, oh, it would let's talk kill about you in time. Let's talk about Anita, who had her name changed before she spoke to the press, who sought asylum after being raped, sexually assaulted, and threatened by Albanian gangs following her husband's flight from that same gang, and had her daughters threatened with being sex trafficked across Europe by that gang. She had two teenage daughters. She fled to the UK to seek asylum. Tell me, Nigel, tell me that she does not deserve asylum in the UK. Fuck you if you honestly think that that woman does not deserve asylum because she's from Albania. What a fucking joke. Come on. Never mind all the people fleeing homophobic violence from Albania. Absolute nonsense. There's a reason that over half of Albanians who get checked and uh, come to the UK for asylum end up having their asylum claim endorsed by the state and saying, yes, you are a genuine refugee. It's because they are genuine refugees. They're not a majority. They are, but they are genuine refugees. And a lot of people who are denied are probably genuine refugees. They just don't have pictures. They just don't have proof. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They are probably genuinely people scared for their lives, but they just don't have the bureaucratic evidence. Yeah. It's genuinely horrendous. And this is a very normalised sentiment in the UK, though. Like, outside of our nice little bubble online, if you actually speak to people, like, it is terrifying how many people think like this. Because a lot do. I'm, I wouldn't say a majority, but a lot of people just don't even think about it. Do you know what I mean? They mm. just don't challenge it in their brains. But they don't agree with it, but, you know, free, free speech. But the amount of people that do genuinely agree with it fucking horrifying it is absolutely horrific it's just the descent towards fascism you know how far can they if they can dehumanize them okay well next time we'll pick these people and then these people and then these people and then these people and suddenly 1984 it's subtly blaming i know they don't they never come and say it outright but that's very rarely how scapegoating works when you're taught about it in school you're taught well, scapegoating is when you blame another group. You say, well, the reason that we have all these economic problems is because of all of the immigrants coming in. But it's it's rarely that explicit. It's more implicit. It's more like, well, when these economic co- problems come up, what we'll start doing is talking about the refugee crisis and let people make the connection. Let them think that the problem, the real problem is the people who are being forced to live on £6 a day and are banned from working um, and will often end up homeless even if their application is successful. These people who can be detained indefinitely, who are suffering from disease and who are in these overcrowded, what are effectively concentration camps, if you look at the definition of a concentration camp. It's it's horrific. I, I genuinely don't understand how people work there and are okay with it. I don't, I, I'm not blaming them, I'm blaming the government. But the country plays a part in it, you know? Yeah. And people know what's going on. Like People know what's happening. They just, they'd just rather not think about it. They'd rather watch EastEnders or, or I don't know, yeah. Chelsea Flower Show. I'm just not very political. Yeah. I'm just not very political, you know? Yeah, they, they, they make these claims. Like, we can't take them all. Uh, they, they can't all come here, send them back to France. Um, the country's full. But yeah, it's know. just nonsense. Especially as someone who lived in Orkney for like a decade, it's not full. <laughs> it's not full. Yeah, it's not full. <laughs> There's no one in Orkney. Um, Have you seen Scotland? Yeah. Well, well, There's like five people. Yeah. As as the UK, we take less than one percent of all of the world's refugees, and as we're like the seventh odd uh, richest country in the world. Uh, that's ridiculous. It's about prioritisation. When people say we can't take any more, it means I just don't care enough. I don't care enough. Because if, if people did, they'd prioritise. You know, okay, well, let's have a windfall tax and then we can take in more people. If if the country's full, okay, maybe build more efficient housing. Uh, maybe look at, like, co-housing and stuff. You just don't care. Invest in public services. Oh, my goodness, what? No. Like... Cheap trains, uh, yeah. then more people wouldn't live in the cities, and then there'd be more space. But no, nope, it's just full. Oh, you know, I understand that these, like, I understand that these people are, you know, 
fleeing for their lives and are the most vulnerable people on earth. And if we say no, that they might be forced back into the country that they fled from. But quite like a big grass garden. But like, you wouldn't even have to choose. Like, you could still have your big grass garden. Exactly. You wouldn't even have to choose. Like, there is so much space in the UK. How many empty... We have enough empty houses to house all refugees and all asylum seekers. We just don't want to. Respectfully, we just don't want to. Yeah, I feel like it's worth mentioning 72% of the world's refugees live in countries neighbouring the country they fled. So a lot of these objections, like, oh, well, they passed through so many safe countries, don't really apply. It doesn't matter. It absolutely does not matter. And a lot of refugees, I'm not going to say most, but a lot of them are fleeing for reasons... Where if you go into a neighbouring country, especially if it's like in the EU or in Europe in general, it's so easy to cross borders. Yeah. Those other people can come after them. Or if it's like, oh, I'm fleeing because I face persecution because of my sexuality. There's not actually that many countries where it is safe to be gay or be trans. And I'm not saying that the UK is a safe place to be trans. Because, is it fuck? But, there are so many reasons why people would come to the UK. Maybe they have family here. Maybe they speak English. Maybe, like, there, there are so many reasons. And we should be happy that people see our country as like a beacon, you know? As like a lighthouse. We should be so proud that people see it. But we shouldn't be happy that people have to. I'd prefer it if no refugees came to this country because there were no refugees, you know? But in this world, there is a lot of refugees and a lot of asylum seekers. And you know what? I'm the fact that they come here. How are you bothered? How are you bothered? Yeah. Oh, the country's full. Okay, why don't we invest in sex education? Because we know that that lowers birth rates and lowers like rates of pregnancy. Yeah. Why don't we do that? Then the country would be. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's so many ways. It's it's a problem of prioritization. Yeah. Um, the government does not care about people they ab- actively do not care about people they'd rather nor... scapegoat migrants like that's they'd rather, exactly they would right. rather scapegoat migrants and and continue the the march to full-blown fascism because it will respectfully it will like there are so many warning signs yeah and our government is showing so many of them but you can't say that because if you say but but they're not fascists but but we have elections yeah Yes, uh, yeah, that doesn't doesn't indeed that doesn't make it non fascist, as I'm sure you uh, <laughs> as I'm sure you predicted. I would say, um, I I just want to talk for a second about something that I made a video on this because I thought it was so important. It was actually part of a, a Twitter thread I did, but look at it from a very selfish perspective. Think about well, what's the kind of society I want to live in? Well, according to the IPCC, um, two thirds of the world pop- world's population are going to be displaced by climate change as in the the places that they live right now will be unlivable you won't be able to live in those places in 30 40 years time now consider that and say that britain takes on uh, a small amount of that let's say it takes on merely uh, you know uh half a billion let's say let's say it's as low as half a billion people have to arrive here realistically do you think you're going to be able to keep those people out? No, of course you're not. So, what's your solution? Because if you if you put up a wall, that wall is going to crumble. Like, metaphorically, if you put up a wall, that wall is going to crumble in the face of that many people coming here. So what you have to do is you have to set up facilities that process these people quickly and make sure that they are given comfort and that they become contributing members of the economy because the alternative if you don't is that they go underground and are essentially forced into the hands of criminals because they can't work legally so what you're doing effectively by supporting policies stricter border policies and restrictions on immigration at the end of the day what you're doing is you're fueling the county lines gangs that are causing problems in your town centre. You're fueling the county lines gangs. You're giving them foot soldiers, effectively. And you're forcing these vulnerable people into horrible conditions, horrible situations, and 
exposing them to the mercy of the very worst people in our society who prey on the vulnerable. You're forcing them underground, and it will come back to bite your community in the backside. It will be on your doorstep if you don't take this seriously and say, well, actually, what we need to do is start treating these people with a bit more humanity and giving them the ability to access jobs and education and start integrating them into our society. Even from the most selfish perspective, it's in your interests to protect these people. And even if it wasn't, like, I just think people should be protected. I just... Yeah. Definitely. I just think it would be nice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just... Um, I just had an alert. Breaking news. Well, 14 minutes ago. Yes. Counterterrorism police now leading investigation into firebombing of Dover Immigration Centre. Ah. So, turns out that the obviously politically motivated attack may have been possibly politically motivated. Well, who could have seen that coming? What? No way. <laughs> oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, there's actually two or three devices described as petrol bombs by a witness were thrown by a man who was let found dead at a nearby petrol station. Police identified the man as Andrew Leake, 66, from High Wycombe. I don't know if anyone here has been to High Wycombe. It's a particularly white area. I'm going to say that that man was probably radicalised by the extremely right-wing media, both official and sort of less official, like GB News, in this country. And I think that, yeah, it, it goes without saying, this person has been radicalised. It is a threat and it's going to keep happening. I am going to have to close off the show because we are running out of time and I'm going to have to edit this a bit later on. Any final thoughts? Head of, uh, head of the counter-terrorism said there was nothing to suggest the man was working alongside anyone else and there was no wider community threat. Why would... Hang on, why, why would that mean that there was no... Like, hang on a second. Yep. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway... Um, it was nice to oh, see you again. Yes. I had enough talking about this. I'm going to go and make my dinner. I'm having bubble and squeak because I made a roast chicken last night. Excellent. So That's... have a lovely rest of your day. You too. You too. Oh my God. Hopefully our next episode will be less kind of uh, chaotic and because and, um, we, we were just like basically the, the two of us just had so many thoughts and feelings about this that we had to come on and talk about it. But hopefully we dispelled a few myths and got through some stuff. And hopefully you feel our anger as well. Um, and we hope you're angry about this because you should be. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you give us a follow. And make sure you're following Tumble Dryer Maya, my wonderful co-host. Thank you very TikTok. much. Uh, it's Tumble Maya Dryer now, isn't it, your handle? Tumble Maya Dryer. My first one got banned like good, yeah. good two years ago, actually. Oh, I think. How time flies. All right. Thank you very much for coming on. We'll Thank you for having me as ever. We will see you all next time. Thank you very much. Bye.